Why be normal? It's no fun. No. Okay, everybody, we are in the house with another Common Sense Uncensored, and today I have a, a poignant guest because of uh, the weather that's coming in, a poignant guest. He, poignant. He's never been referred to quite like that, No, I've you? been called a lot of things, but poignant is <laughs> not Kid breaks word. off the dictionary, and boy, she can do it, too. <laughs> Okay. We we got a little snow coming in, baby. Oh, we got a little snow coming in. I think it's going to be tempered by the freezing rain in front. Because <laughs> hey, look, what's the most fun you can have? Bumper cars. Yeah. Well, yeah. not to not to mention out, out in my area, power, yeah, power okay. lines going down. Power lines going down. Yeah, a little freezing rain never hurt anybody. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, I've I've heard everything from eight to fifteen inches and. I've looked at all the models. I've looked at yours. I, I have to confess, I've looked at others. <gasps> oh, that's okay. I'll get over it. <laughs> but just trying to compare everything. But the reason I did that is because today we're going to talk climate change, and lack thereof in my book. But um, the the fact is, is even even just on this snow that's coming in, mm-hmm. there's disagreement. Right, because there's uncertainty. Right. There's so much uncertainty, so much that we don't not know about the atmosphere. And that's kind of the whole basis of, of climate change, too. So many things we simply don't know. But even in just short-term weather forecasting, as you've pointed out, 5 to 15 inches, I mean, it's kind of a crapshoot forecast, but that's really where the state of the technology is. Ground temperature, the, the phase of the snow when it starts is going to be really wet. The wind, there's all these different things that we simply don't have a good handle on in the near term and that leads into climate change because we don't know how the feedbacks how the mechanisms work nature abhors a balance anyway and so it wants to make things bouncy well you know and everybody always oh well we have the computer models and i always look at them and go is that the same computer models that predicted millions and millions of people were going to die from covid and nobody Mm -hmm. really i mean we lost some absolutely Mm -hmm. but not what they said and so when i look at things like this and then I, I go out and I look at climate change, and of course I'm, I'm a denier. I admit it. Uh, I just uh, you're in I, good company. <laughs> well, I don't understand why people aren't asking more questions instead of less. Well, there are a lot of people asking questions, and more and more of these questions are starting to get a little bit of feedback and notice in the media. Now, first off, again. Climate change deniers, like I say, you're in good company. Jen Curry, who is a researcher of of great repute, is one of the people who has said, hold on, wait a minute, we need to take a step back and look at this because everything we're talking about is in the statistical noise. The models that we're talking about, the average field meteorologist does not trust the climate models because they know that the regular weather models are okay but not as good. And if you, as you pointed out, if in the short term we have difficulty forecasting the weather, a lot of the climate change that we're talking about is difficult to forecast because we really don't know so much about the inputs. And we're still learning that. Lastly, and I want to talk about this one, is the instrumentation. Because, yeah. yes, there has been, first off, and I've said this before, the climate has to change. It's not a, it's not a, a static entity. It's very dynamic. 
the, the Milankovitch cycles, which we've talked about, and we're at the peak of those. So we should be. We're at the peak of the interglacial warm period. We're there. But we're finding things such as the forests that are being uncovered as the permafrost melts up in the polar regions. How do those forests get there? They weren't transported. They grew there at one point. Things of those natures. And forgetting that here in the Red River Valley at one point, we were under thousands of feet of water in places of the continental United States. We were a glacier. We were a glacier. And then we were a big lake. The climate is going to change on its own. Well, and, and see, the thing is, 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 well, they'll go, well, of course the climate is changing, but man is making it change faster. And that's where I go, mm. so the dinosaurs and, and everybody, it just doesn't compute. And I'm, I, granted, I'm not Einstein, but when I look at their rationale, even this little old lady can go, mm, there's a lot of holes, but I see a lot of money to be made. Oh, yes, yes, there is. Well, this is a governmental thing, too. Mm-hmm. We, can get in, we can get into the political side of it as well, because this is all about control, controlling how people live their lives, what they eat, what they drive, how they live their lives, where they live their lives. And that really is kind of the backstory that we're seeing coming out when we look at the Bill Gates of the world and we look <laughs> at the different, uh, the different entities within the governmental bodies that want to be in global control of a global community. The first thing, they need to get the United States out of the way. But I digress. I want to go back and and, and real quickly talk about uh, one of the little things we used in the military as an example for the the noise. You measure with a micrometer, you mark with chalk, and you cut with a buzzsaw. Got it. Got it. My husband's a carpenter, so I get that. So you're taking very fine-scale measurements, and that's what a thermometer does. A thermometer takes a very fine-scale measurement. The problem is those fine-scale measurements are often... Uh, screwed up by a lot of things, such as urbanization, uh, changes within the nearby. I don't want to tell a story that's embarrassing to me personally, <laughs> okay. but it illustrates, quite frankly, how the system works. And then, of course, you cut with a buzzsaw because the variability that we're seeing within the climate is that buzzsaw. It's normal. It's got to happen. So if I have time for a little story. Yes, absolutely. Okay. When I, the last half of my career was the data manager at the weather service here in Grand Forks. And part of that job was to visit the cooperative weather stations, which are the backbone of the very climate network we're talking about. One of the stations, now James Watt, Watts up with that. He has a website. And, and again, he's a climate denier, but he simply is pointing out the many flaws in the data sets that we've been using for the last 130 years, roughly, which is really the instrumented period in the United States. There was a story that came out on Watts up with that of a climate site in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, where okay. the temperature record had gone up, and it was because the co-op station had been by itself at one point, but suddenly, as the radio station grew and as the, as the platform around it grew, there was literally an air conditioner compressor. <laughs> That was, whatever, 15, 20 feet away from the temperature sensor. Now, I was the brand-new data guy at the Grand Forks office, and this story pops up. I caught hell from headquarters. you got to fix this right away. But that is just one example of what has happened with the cooperative data network. Detroit Lakes was only one. They're all across the country of sites that used to be pristine by themselves in the country, but airports grew up around them. Well, and computer models are only as good as the data that's like you just made a comp- comparison, are only as good as the data that's input. Mm-hmm. And that's the human factor. Yes. And, and 
Well, I'm, you know, when you, take a, when you take a look at something like here, I'm looking at the stunning statistical fraud behind the global warming scare. And it says NOAA, the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, may have a boring name, but it has an important job. It measures U.S. temperatures. Unfortunately, it seems to be a captive of the global warming religion. Its mm-hmm. data is fraudulent. Yes. So, okay, I'm going to make a broad statement. We're being played, aren't we? <laughs> well, uh, uh, by the way, another another <laughs> NOAA. NOAA also stands for the National Organization for the Advancement of Acronyms. Now, <laughs> along with the Detroit Lake story, okay, the instrumentation that yeah. has changed over the years. It used to be liquid and glass thermometers. That was the benchmark from the 15th, 16th century on. Liquid and glass thermometers, they are considered to be the gold standard. As time has gone on, because mercury was considered to be a bad thing we can't have out in the field, mercury thermometers have been replaced by electronic thermometers. Mercury thermometers, which were developed and typically done by human beings, and these were artisans, the, the, called the run for length over the bore. The bore over the run for length was nearly perfect. And so that means very little variation as the mercury flowed down this uh, little canal. So thermometers to, tended to be uniform. They were very uniform. They were very accurate. So if you had a mercury thermometer in Amsterdam and a mercury thermometer in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, they were going to be considered the same. As time has gone on, because mercury is a bad thing we can't have in the field, they put electronic thermometers in. So you went from maybe, maybe a tenth of a degree variance across the range. You started going to multiple tenths even degrees of variance that could be considered statistically within the range of the equipment. Now, the electronics people do go out and and work on that equipment as much as they possibly can to keep them in range, but there's your buzzsaw now. We have changed the way that we measured with a micrometer. We used mercury, liquid, and glass thermometers, and alcohol as well. Alcohol thermometers, because in the Arctic, mercury freezes at minus 38, so you had to have alcohol thermometers in the real cold climate. So you had liquid and glass. There was your micrometer. Okay. Then we came along and we put in these electronic thermometers, so we started measuring with chalk. Then we've taken the computer models and we've put all this data into it and we come up with this range of anywhere from, what, one and a half to five degrees Celsius? There's your buzzsaw that we're using. So literally, we had something that worked to perfection. Yes. And we fixed it. And we fixed it. <laughs> so it, right. now it doesn't really work as well. And you know what happens when you fix a dog. So the thing <laughs> is, is that's basically what we did to the climate record. We fixed it. We fixed it. Now, when I, when President Obama took over at the National Center for Environmental, uh, and, I, and the last name escapes me, the NCEI, I apologize, the, the data collection entity, there was a statement that global climate change was caused was roughly human interaction, and it was the whole broad of everything, not just one particular gas, but everything, urbanization, so forth and so on, and solar input. It was a balance between the two. When President Obama came into office, mysteriously, that 50% little thing with global climate change being half-driven by the sun disappeared off the web page. So that's the political aspect that is very subtle, and that sort of – when I saw that – I realized we were in for a bumpy ride. Well, you know, NOAA uh, is making repeated adjustments, which is just what you said, to its data for presumed scientific reasons of making them more accurate, except their change points to one thing, lowering previously measured temperatures to show cooler weather in the past. So they're going, it's not even what they're, they're messing with today. They're screwing around with what was measured before, which we already admitted was measured be- better. Mm-hmm. And 
they're doing what they're doing all over the place. They're trying to change history. Yes, and it was cooler because it was measured in a pristine environment away from the influences of urbanization. And so the the change really comes from uh, the Detroit Lakes example is one of thousands and thousands and thousands. Even before climate change became a household vernacular, the Miami International Airport location, which is perhaps one of the most well-known examples of a rise in temperature, became the benchmark for poor instrumentation. Because as the Miami airport grew, the weather equipment remained essentially in the same place. That ha- Because meteorological equipment is not only used for climate data, but it's also for aviation and sure. other entities. And so when that is there in between two runways, and the runways get bigger, and the aprons get larger, and there's more aircraft taking on and off, what happens? Does it change the climate? Of course, of course it would. It changes the local climate. But there's a reason a parking garage has a different temperature than somebody out in rural. Mm-hmm. It's the concrete. In your part of the world, there is a long-term climate station at the Langdon Experimental Station run by NDSU. That's a very rural environment that has changed very little over the 120-plus years of its data record. The data from Langdon... Uh, I forget the location. That's about another uh, 15 miles northwest of there. There's a couple of different sites. The rural data has remained flat. There's been no change and perhaps in some cases minor cooling. could be within the noise of instrumentation and stuff. But it has not changed in roughly the 125 years. But you look at a Fargo, you look at a Grand Forks, or you look at a Devil's Lake, you look at all these locations that have been urbanized, and there has been a degree and a half or two degree rise, in some cases larger, and it depends on the size of the city. That is a big part of it. That all gets mashed together. And so what we don't talk about, you kind of mentioned it briefly, because I started really going back and looking at the data globally as well as locally in preparation for this. Since roughly 2020, the temperatures have pretty much flattened out. Yes, the polar regions have warmed because there's this thing called the Hadley cells that takes the warmer air from the lower latitudes and transports it north. What you don't hear much about is the equatorial regions have actually cooled very slightly, but they have cooled. So that excess heat is being removed from the the the, 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 the equatorial regions and being brought northward. Again, that comes back to the Milankovitch cycles and things we've seen in the past. The last glaciation period, we're at the end of it. You know, we're not going to live 100,000 years to see the next uh, glacial period, but it's going to happen. But it also stresses the point that the Earth takes care of itself. It does. It, 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 does. it, it says, okay, we need to make an adjustment, and so the Earth makes that adjustment. But I'm going to do really quick sure. an obscene profit margin break for Southtown Poorhouse, because every day, even if it's snowing, every day is a great day at Southtown Poorhouse. Stop in for your favorite drinks, and of course, happy hour. Buy one app, get one half off every day from 6 to 8. And you can't forget about the $3 burgers on Tuesdays and the awesome steak specials on Thursdays from 5 to 8. Make sure to check out SouthtownPoorhouseGF.com to find out when your favorite band is playing live. And Saturday, December 17th, it's Rhyme or Reason. And find out that every day is a great day at Southtown Poorhouse 2015 Library Circle next to the Grand Cities Mall. Open Tuesday through Saturday from 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. And people, they are hiring. They are hiring. Did you hear me? They're hiring. Get out there and do this. And what well, what we were talking about is the, the, the they're trying to create an illusion of ever rising temperatures to match the CO two levels. Mm-hmm. They're doing what they did with COVID. Mm-hmm. They're screwing with the data. They are. 
To a large degree, they are. I wanted to go back quickly to yeah. talk about uh, uh, Michael Mann, who most everybody has heard of. Michael Mann is a strong proponent of anthropogenic greenhouse warming. You know that he's he's a big deal. Dr. John Christie's on the other side of the argument. He's okay. the one who's looked at the satellite data and said, "Well, hold on a minute. Really, we look at the satellite data, and during this period of time when you're talking about extensive warming, yeah, it's just not showing up in the satellite data. Very little here, very little there. But basically, it's 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 flat." Michael Mann has a lot of respect for Dr. Christie, and he basically has to admit that, you know what, he's, he's got some points, but the earth is warming. So on the one hand, he says, yes, okay, I, I, the, the, we have climate change caused by humans, but Dr. Christie's data can't be ignored. Well, you know, okay, we'll ignore it for now, because politically, we've got to do something. Well, and the thing that bothers me so much is the way they love to confuse people, because this is from MIT, and every, ooh, we bow at the altar of MIT. Warmer weather is causing more humidity. We often think about how humid it feels outside, that muggy feeling causing the high amount of water vapor in the air. As humidity rises about 3.5% for every degree Fahrenheit, the temperature rises. This is going to cause health risks from exhaustion to fainting and even life-threatening heat stroke. The drama, I've seen less drama in daytime soaps. I mean, the drama with which they, they, they put this crap out there. I mean, serious to God, the overacting. I'm expecting William Shatner to come out and go, and the weather is happening. I mean, Jesus, people, get a grip. I am so glad you brought that point up because down here I have a little tidbit that says, remember, more people die from extreme cold than from extreme heat. Now, I've gone to these radical websites, including the Centers for Disease Control and the National Institutes for Health. So two horribly radical right-leaning yes. websites. Wait a minute. So both the <laughs> CDC and the NIH have many papers that have been written, and the National Weather Service partner agency or head agency, NOAA, has documented time and time and time and time again that more people die from extreme cold than from extreme heat. So when you hear something political like you just said, that is all that it is. It is purely political. It is lie. It goes against the published data. The IPCC report, which they love to broadcast on the news, where you'll see a headline that says rivers or, 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 or the oceans are going to rise so much, when you add, those are written by the politicians. When you actually dive into the IPCC report, and who's going to read these things? Well, there are scientists that actually read them. But when you actually read the reports, you see such things as, well, there's been no negligible change in sea level. There's been no negligible change in temperature. There's been no negligible change or, or no negli uh, noticeable change right. in all of the things that they're putting in the headlines contradict what the actual studies say. The studies are done by scientists who are simply looking at the data. But who has the time to actually read through a report that is this thick? Well, there are men and women, thankfully, who do. And they publish the synopses. Go to this section and find out that the politicians are saying one thing. The scientists are generally actually saying something else. But here's the other thing, too. The politicians are all buying beachfront property. Right. And so if it was really going to happen... Why would they be doing that? Why mm -hmm. would they be buying beach beachfront property and, you know, I mean, Martha's Vineyard and everything else? They would quite naturally, because they can afford it, be scrambling somewhere else. But mm -hmm. they're not. Mm -hmm. Remember Vawanawantu, I think, the island that was supposed to be disappeared by now? Yeah. Uh, nope, it's still there and doing quite well. And that throughout the Pacific. There are several of those islands that should have gone underwater by now. That are, they're doing okay, thank you very much. So 
A lot of what they've predicted has yet to come to pass, and yet they continue to say the same thing over and over again. Well, the other thing that I find interesting is, is, is like what we learned with COVID, even one death is too much. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we have to lock everything down. And right. But, but um, heating becomes cheaper. People keep their homes warmer, mm-hmm. which means that there's less likelihood that someone's going to freeze to death or have a problem with that. Uh, when fracking drove gra- gas prices down in the 2000s in the U.S., it meant less freezing. It saved 12,000 lives each year mm-hmm. because people could afford to stay warm. And cold, as you said, kills way more people. So when we're looking at saving 12,000 people a year by allowing fracking, mm-hmm. I thought one death was just too much, but... But now we're going to go, no, we can't frack, we can't drill, we can't pipeline, we can't do this, we can't do that. Because we're all going to, I mean, this is so blatantly, obviously, climate porn. <laughs> it's climate porn. If, if we are warming and we're losing fewer people, well, we're still losing more people to cold than we are to heat. That is still, that's still going on. But it would be a good thing to have the globe warm because then we'll have fewer people dying from extreme cold. And it is ostensibly easier to keep cool. You can build shade. And plus, you're not going to be using natural gas or coal or oil-based furnaces to stay warm. You can just go ahead and do away with that. So you're going to be producing less CO2 or other ugly gases from trying to keep people warm. So global warming is a good thing, right? Well, I'm, well that's, what I'm, that's what I'm hearing here. I would think so, but, but we're told the exact opposite. Because it's don't follow the facts. Listen to what you're being told. Be a good little drone. And by the way, open up your wallet because we're going to put you under control. Because, uh, you know, our, our wonderful uh, person that's really in charge, Greta Thunberg, revealed actually her true intent because she's not just all about climate change. No, in fact, uh, the world's most annoying teenager actually came out and was saying that it's not just about saving the planet. She describes capitalism as a system that created the climate crisis in the first place through its use of colonialism, imperialism, oppression, and genocide. She also blamed it for racist and oppressive extractionism. I bet you somebody had to write that out for her because, you know, she's, she's still stuck on how dare you. But, uh, but the thing is, is, this isn't about the climate. No. This is about all of this. And by the way, this, she's doing this while she's hawking her book for 26 bucks on Amazon. So capitalism is apparently really good for her. Mm-hmm. But they, they're, they're so blatant in their... No, John Kerry, Bill yeah. Gates, the others that fly around in their aircraft while telling us yes. how bad the burning. And if you're going to cause climate change, fly aircraft into the very high altitudes where you're going to put chemicals into the atmosphere that take forever to go. Let's talk about the mental health issues. You've kind of mentioned a little bit about the COVID side. There are now warnings coming out from the National Institutes of Mental Health and papers that are starting to appear in the literature that have been peer-reviewed scientific papers the number of Google search, that, how bad the, the discussion of climate change has been for younger children. They're losing their mind. The Google searches for uh, suicide and, and self-harm ideation from the younger kids has skyrocketed in the last year, and it all comes back to climate change. So these discussions are seeing these people, these young people, throwing paint on priceless paintings or gluing themselves to runways and things like this. Those idiots are 
killing children or driving children to take their own lives. It's become horrible. It's scaring them. It does. It's scaring them literally to death. And we're not hearing anything about that in the mainstream media, but the medical community is making note of it. Well, Paul just handed me this wonderful note. Greta's sailboat just happens to be made out of carbon fiberglass. Well, godly gee whiz, Bob. Carbon. But but you mentioned this, and I'm glad you did, because uh, teens are pouring out milk in grocery stores in a new trend to raise awareness about dairy production emissions. These environmentalists, bless their little hearts, are going into grocery stores, grabbing milk cartons, and pouring their contents onto the floor in order to raise awareness of meat and dairy production emissions. Of course, it's not their property, and of course, they if they get arrested, they, they're bailed out immediately by some other loony tune. It's, uh, it's also taking place in London, Manchester, um, Edinburgh, Norwich, and uh, they're, of course, videotaping themselves so mm-hmm. they can get all kinds. But it's, it's a mental illness. It is. It really is. Let's go down the rabbit hole of agriculture, because obviously agriculture right now is under attack. We've got whether it's Fung here in Grand Forks, which is one whole other issue, or whether it's Bill Gates buying up property in the United States. How about and, the uh, Netherlands? And, and the Netherlands. 3,000 farms world. got taken over by the government. Uh, if you speak to the farmers, any farmer, they'll tell you, well, it's a bad idea because they're taking farmland out of production. They're driving the prices up to the point where it's making it more and more difficult. The end goal is to get rid of the family farm, to get rid of the individual farmers and go to corporate farms. The farmers, the farmers are the one steward of the atmosphere that we must keep because, yes, there was a time when farming probably did use too much fertilizer, did do some things that were harmful to the environment. It was sheer ignorance because the people that feed us weren't going to put themselves out of business on purpose. Now, as science has evolved, as agribusiness has become more robust, we're finding out, well, okay, you've got technology that does precise uh, application of fertilizer. We've got fertilizers that are far more eco-friendly, to use the term. And we're, our, our practices have changed where today's farmers are probably the A number one stewards of the environment, and we want them out of the way for what reason? Because we have chemical meat, we have uh, almond milk. I don't know how you milk an almond, but <laughs> very carefully, things, yeah, very it's, carefully. It's a, yeah, a tweezers, I think I've heard. But, but just let me give you this other thing. The dairy industry is incredibly environmentally destructive. The world's top five meat and dairy corporations are now responsible for more GHG emissions than Exxon, Shell, or BP, the organization said in a tweet. What? Hey. These are the kids that I call are, BS. Yeah. These are the kids that are emptying milk onto floors and this is their organizational scream, you know, that it's they're producing more emissions. Well then if they're producing more emissions, then why are why are we being so hard on X and Shell, BP and the rest of them? All right, we should let them back into the doing yeah. thing so that we can get on with our lives. Well, and then there's the idiots that uh, you know, that, that came up with the idea of uh I, I have to keep mentioning this because because I, I I just can't get putting masks like face masks for COVID on on um, on cattle right and they got the little carbon fan in it that mm-hmm. keep, yeah so this is this is how stupid we've gotten it's the wrong end of the cow well the <laughs> <laughs> I have to let just just let them know that it's uh, cow farts that are supposed <laughs> to be the real killer here not them exhaling carbon dioxide but I digress. 
So, but that just shows the whole thing is full of gas. Well, and, and that's what I don't understand is when you're looking at companies developing face masks with little solar fans on them and stuff for cows, when you're looking at teenagers pouring milk on the floor and saying that a dairy farm is more destructive and has more quote unquote emissions than BP and Shell, at what point do people not stop and go, wait a second? It's the fire hose effect. If you've ever been sprayed by a fire hose, your number one desire is to get out of the way of the fire hose. You're focused on that stream of water coming your way and dodging it. People are simply overwhelmed by the flood of information and don't have the time to actually slow down and go, hold on, wait a minute, let's think about this because this is not making any sense. How have things changed and is my life better? Is the world better? Is the global community better? No, it's not. And why is that? Because there is a great, well, the reset. I know we're not yeah. going to go down that particular road. Oof. But all of this does essentially aim in that general direction towards the great reset. Because, again, the United States as an innovator, and let's not leave our European friends behind because there have been great innovations that have come out of other countries too. But where do they get those ideas? Well, they got them from the United States in part, but we also get ideas from them. So it's a global community that has worked quite well. What has changed? There are people that simply want to have a central control. And as long as the United States remains the way the United States is, that is a problem. Well, and that's part of the, the thing that I'm looking at here, because the United Nations intends to set up a global digital ID system that can track and map individual carbon activity. Climate activists... Bill Gates, mm -hmm. has given the U.N. $127 billion to implement Agenda 30. If you do not know what Agenda 30 is, folks, please Google it. It used to be Agenda 21, but they had to revamp it a little bit because Mr. Trump got in and kicked the, the can down the road a little bit. But it's Agenda 30, and the U.N.'s climate blueprint, which includes a digital ID for your carbon emissions, which means you'd have one, I'd have one, mm -hmm. which pretty much means the uh, handcuffs would be on. Tag and bag. Yep. Yep. I'm careful about next words that come out of my mouth. I know. It's, <clears throat> believe me, it's tough for me, too. Adult language has been known to be audited on, on this show, but woohoo. The United States has historically been the leader. Kind of you know, go back to our previous discussion mm -hmm. here. The United States has historically been the leader in doing things wrong and then learning from it and doing things right. And that's normal human nature. We make mistakes, we fix them, and we do better. And we get farther down the road. And as you know, I mean, if you study society at all, you recognize a lot of these things are, like weather, cyclical. People learn from their mistakes to get better. Now the young, we're supposed to. We're supposed to. The young kids that are coming along now that have been scared into either action in the wrong way or perhaps self-harm, they're, they're following a false narrative. And that comes back to the basis of just let's look at climate gate. The, you know, people remember the East Anglican servers that were hacked when they found out, much like a little Twitter thing, but on a larger scale in dealing with climate, that let's, you know, massage the data. Well, it's all been taken out of context. That's not exactly what it means. Right. No, wait, I can read. I can read the emails back and forth talking about how the data has been schmoozed or how the data has been corrected. And again, I've seen it myself. I know that I've looked at data that I myself have put in, and I was part of a process in the latter part of my federal career where we had to justify the data sets because the, the big project that the Weather Service was coming up with, which was a part of the global process, was to develop a homogenized 
data set. And those homogeneities require taking out some of the extremes, making sure under the auspices of making sure the data was correct. Especially back in the day when humans did take the observations. Were there mistakes? Yes, people are people. And if you've never worked a midnight shift, come 8 <laughs> o'clock in the morning, you're a little fuzzy around the edges and you want to get home. So sometimes there are mistakes that are made on midnight shifts. But in the grand scheme of things, the average error rate for human observers, the error rate was 0.1. The average error rate for the electronics is 5%. So machines are a 500% increase over the human observer error rate. Humans were very meticulous. It was a contest between weather observers in the National Weather Service and globally, as a matter of fact. The National Center for, uh, for Climate Data used to very meticulously go through the observations and scan for errors. And if there was an error, you would get a report back at the end of each month. Well, this looks like maybe it was a transposition or this was perhaps something that didn't fit the protocol. Fix it. You didn't want to get a red line error. A red line error was just a, a really bad thing. Very, 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 very few red line errors ever got issued. So at the end of the day, the reports came out to uh, rank who was the best, the best, the best, <laughs> the the best weather office for taking weather observations. The very core of the information we're talking about, and we're talking about ninety nine point nine, ninety nine point eight nine, ninety nine point eight seven percent accuracy. The weather offices were were segregated by tenths and hundredths of a percent in accuracy. They were nearly flawless. Like I say. Today's machinery is far, far less accurate, and we're basing all this on a flawed system. But see, that's what they like. They want the system flawed because they can utilize that. Also, machines don't question, and you can calibrate machines to do whatever you want them to do. When you have a human in your position, if somebody starts fudging the data, the human would tend to go, wait a minute, mm -hmm. I see something wrong here. I have a question. And these are the people that don't want to be questioned. They want it just to be business as usual. So if you take the human, the humanity out of the process, mm -hmm. you have greater control over the data. You have the ability to unquestioningly put that data forth, and nobody is going to be able to go, well, that's not the way I read it, because nobody read it. Mm -hmm. Again, you go back to 130, 140 years ago when the data first started to show up. You did see a rise up until roughly the 1920s, 30s. Then the data stayed flat through the 70s, 80s, into the 90s before they started to go up again. You have to put that in context to the urbanization. You had to look at how the surrounding weather stations were first surrounded perhaps by smaller cities or farms or other things that maybe modeled, modulated the atmosphere around it a little bit. Plus, the climate does change. Again, it's not static. It can't be. It can't be. But you had this period where a lot of us, I'm 66 years old, so you had a lot of us that were in that era being born in the 50s and going through the 60s where you expected cold winters with a certain amount of snow, you expected summers with a, a certain amount of severe weather, and that was very much the normal. So so people had this collective memory of what they expect. Now, in the, in the 90s, into the early part, very uh, mostly in the 90s, you had this next rise in temperature. Part of that was because of the drought cycle, which we were in for a period of time. Part of that was urbanization that we're finding out that has affected the, the weather records. But roughly since the, the, the turn of the, this century, the temperature patterns have pretty much leveled off in most areas of the globe. And globally, again, the warming has occurred at the polar regions, cooling has occurred in the tropical regions, 
And the models are going, you know, so they continually adjust the models. So the climate gate thing, like the East Anglican data set, was an attempt to justify, not in a good way, but to correct the data to explain why nature does what nature does. And they screwed it up the wrong way. Well, gee, imagine that, them screwing up the data to, ser- to solve a, a purpose. All right, let's do an executive properties profit margin break. Paul, are you ready to rock that ad for me? team of professionals at Executive Properties Construction have over 30 years of experience. We pride ourselves on doing quality work at a reasonable rate for our customers. Just check out what past customers have said in our amazing Google reviews. Then contact us today to get started on a bid for your next project. You can call us at 701-330-1273 or email info at executiveproperties.org. And check it out. We're hiring. We're building our new team for snow removal for this upcoming season. Contact Jess for more info at jess at executiveproperties.org. As usual, uh, when we talk about uh, the climate and just about everything else, it's follow the money. This North Dakota's carbon capture project has just become operational. And, of course, they're out leasing farmland and uh, doing all kinds of other fun things, which is interesting because the, uh, the, the husband of the lady that's the, uh, the electric commissioner the, is, is got land that's involved in being purchased for this. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's never too late to earn a buck on a wonderful ploy. And the thing that, that gets me is the fact that... Uh, Yes, she recused herself from the vote, yada, yada. But right now, they say that uh, we are a geologic jackpot because what we have is we have the ability to store all of this carbon. And uh, we are wanting to be the, uh, and I quote this, the system that all other industries in the world would want to follow, the red trail industry. And... What bothers me so much, I'm trying to find it on my phone here, which is why I prefer paper, but uh, it, looks like, it looks like if I take a, yep, here we go, researchers say the state's rocks could store as much as 250 billion tons of carbon dioxide, and uh, what would happen if all that suddenly left, what, we had an earthquake and a little crack or something, and suddenly 250 billion um, Tons of carbon dioxide that would have gradually been released into the atmosphere the natural way. Let's go. Does anybody even know what effect that could have? Oh, they can model it, but we know how the models have done. I mean, they can come up with assumptions. But again, it's like, uh, okay, it's like a fart in the bathtub. It's going to make the water in the bathtub stink. One would think. But that would be about it. I mean, once you get beyond a certain point because of the diffusion thing. And again, we've got to go back and actually talk about the real greenhouse gas that never gets any press. Methane. Is it? Water vapor. Really? Water vapor is the most potent greenhouse gas next to, um, uh, uh, to methane. Yes, those two are actually the most okay. potent. Now, we can't do a darn thing about water vapor. You can't. That's you, the oceans you, you and everything, cannot. right? You simply cannot. You can't capture That's, enough water vapor, and why would you want to? Well, that, and, well, and where would you put it? Well, the planet's mostly water. Yeah, 75% so, water. So, yeah, we kind of have a water vapor problem, right? Within the physics world, carbon dioxide is, has a uh, greenhouse gas, a, a GT, a greenhouse thermal value of one. It is considered the base value. Carbon dioxide is the base value by which other gases. And, of course, I forget the number of water vapor or methane, but there's so many more times a potent 
greenhouse gas, but we never talk about those. And those are naturally occurring in many instances. Yeah. Uh, you can't control it. So the fluctuations in the atmosphere, nature abhors a balance. It's going to settle things down. The Earth has reached certain temperatures in the past, and actually the warm period we're in. Now, the ice core data, which gets you know scrutinized and is under a little bit of a controversy at times, the ice core data is generally considered to be accurate. Uh, it, it has been, and I, and I accept that. I look at the data and say, yeah, because partly it does follow the Milankovitch cycles very well. well so uh, you can see the changes in I've Earth's temperature. I've looked at it, and, and when you look at when you even look at the core samples and yes. stuff. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but dumb dumb me can go. You can see like the rings on a tree, right? Exactly. You can see how it changes. Exactly. You can see those things, and you know that these people. And there, I just watched a YouTube video. I didn't have time to really put it into this, but I watched a geologist who his, his growing up career was doing ice cores and actually marking them. And he goes and lays out, you can follow the Milankovitch cycles and these ice core changes of carbon dioxide, just bam, 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 bam. It's just, it's been proven time and time and time and time again. Now, and then they'll come back, and at the very end, he'll say, well, you see the Milankovitch cycle, we've reached the peak, we should be entering the next glaciation period, we're still losing glaciers. Again, we're measuring with a micrometer, but we're marking with chalk and cutting with a buzzsaw, because when you say, well, the Milankovitch cycle says we should be going in the next glaciation period, you're talking decades, whereas the Milankovitch cycles and glaciations occur over millennia. But these kids and these people but think that we're going to die today. Right. Right. They don't understand that. There was, a, there was a protest, and this person had to sign up, you'll die from old age, I'll die from climate change. And I'm like, only mm. if you live to be about 500 million years. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, yeah, dude, get some rationality here. But, but we've taken all the logic mm-hmm. completely out of the equation oh. and have done nothing but fuel the emotion and i'm sorry as a female i'm supposed to live on emotion but emotions are rational i'm sorry but it is <laughs> with three sisters i'm, I'm going <laughs> to step aside from that for just one moment I mean, emotional creatures people are emotional yes. people are emotional and that brings me up to a point that i wanted to make too Emergency managers, police, fire, you name it, anyone who is involved in search and rescue, anything like that, they drill, they drill, they drill, they drill for a reason. They drill so that when a crisis occurs, they kick into auto mode and they don't panic. They right. don't freak out. Ordinary people freak out. And so the, the masses are being counted on to freak out, whereas the calmer heads are saying, hold on, wait a minute, this is, this is expected. We've seen this in the past. We'll see it again in the future. But they're counting on people panicking and making poor choices because that's what I was told by several people when I took an emergency management course. They said people make poor choices when they're afraid. They do the wrong thing 99% of the time. For the wrong reason. For the wrong reason. Often it's counterintuitive how to save yourself. If you're drowning or if you're in the water, stop, float, lay calmly on your back. But most people thrash, exhaust themselves, and then drown that way. But if you talk to rescue people, they say, no, stay calm, as possibly as calm as you possibly can. If you're in a wave area, you have to do a little something, but your body is buoyant. You will typically stay above the water. That's just one example of what I've learned within emergency managers saying, just be calm. But we are no longer calm, and we have freaked out an entire generation. They're, they're, They're terrified. They are terrified, like I said. And when someone is terrified, they're not rational. No, they're not rational. They're, they, they, they're, they're, 
it's fight or flight. Yes, exactly. And and neither of those are good choices. No, we're making poor choices based on assumptions that have been exaggerated. Again, I can go back and say, yes, the climate's changing. It has to change. You can't stop it. It's going to happen. It, we, we've seen it throughout the record before humans were there to well, affect it. People laugh at me, but I tell them we're, we're not. We we've gone. F- Almost full circle. We're almost right back to throwing virgins into the volcanoes to satisfy the climate gods so that we all can live another day. It, serious to God, people, that's, that's seriously where we're at. Except instead of throwing the virgins in, what we're doing is we're throwing the cars mm-hmm. and the planes yes. and our heat yes. and our electricity. We're throwing all of that into the vac- vac- volcano to placate the energy gods and, and we'll live another day. And it has nothing to do with the freaking problem. We have warmed since the, uh, since the, uh, the, the data record, the solid thermometer data record has started. We've warmed approximately one degree centigrade globally. That's about 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit. The instrumentation has a slop of three to five degrees Fahrenheit. So we don't even know if we're measuring the warmth properly. It's either on the very low end or on the very high end. We don't know. And 1.4 degrees or, or 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit is in the global temperature regime is very negligible. The system is doing what it's supposed to do. Are the glaciers melting in places? Yes. Are they growing in places? Yes, you don't hear about that. But there are changes that are occurring as Earth does what Earth does. It balances the equation on its own. But we see, screw things up. If, if I put a bunch of statistics in front of you, Right. That's not sexy. That's not impactful. That's but if I show you a picture of a swimming polar bear, yes. which by the way is what polar bears do. They swim from ice flow to ice flow. That's how they hunt people. Sorry mm-hmm. to break it to you, but but oh my god. Right. That poor teddy bear is going to die. No, but a seal somewhere probably is. We we just can't seem to make that connection with our brains anymore right and explain again the forests in the polar region where did they come from how did they get there did trolls build them under the ice for caves i mean come on folks you've got to think that if this has happened before humans were around to do these things we're in part of a natural cycle let because again going back to the panic mode we're going to panic and we're going to do the wrong thing to your point what happens if we sequester all this carbon and yes there's an earthquake and somehow large amounts of it are re-released back into the atmosphere. Didn't we just undo everything that we tried to do in the first place? And at a huge boom. At a huge boom. And again, let's go back. What are we doing about water vapor and methane? Once you can come to me and say, well, this is what we're doing to control water vapor, impossible, and what we're doing to control methane, eh, maybe, then we can actually talk about maybe, maybe affecting the climate's Roller coaster, but that again, you can't do it. Well, I'm going to tell you this story because I'm 67, so growing up, I've been through the beginning of this and everything else. And I remember when we got rid of paper bags mm-hmm. and went to plastic because we were deforesting the, the, all those paper bags. We went from cardboard and paper around our burgers to styrofoam. We went from washing diapers because that was using water that was a, a, a scarce resource to uh, diapers that are now. All of the styrofoam, Mm -hmm. all of the plastic bags, Mm -hmm. all of the diapers and stuff that we used to fix our panic mode, uh, environmental concerns back in the 70s, are now piling up in our waste facilities because they don't biodegrade. We have screwed it up big time. Yeah. 
And, and, okay, Paul just handed me this note, no ozone because of hairspray in the 80s. Yeah, now you right. have to use a pump. You can't use the spray pump. We, everything we've done to fix it has actually made it worse. worse. Because we're panicking, because we're going in the wrong direction. We're doing the wrong thing. And that's, again, that's what humans do. But it is really towards a political gain. It is towards oh, money. some... money. Follow the money. Follow the money. Follow the money. Because that, at the end of the day, who's making the... Who's, and, and John Kerry... Bill Gates, all of these people, uh, Greta Thunberg, all of these folks, if they're serious, if you are serious about what you're talking about, go ahead and start walking. Zoom. Yep. <laughs> you know, you don't, don't have, fly. You don't have to fly. You can get on a computer and talk to one another that way. Well, there's another profit break that I have to take right here for Life Vantage. And I want to ask you, do you take collagen? Have you heard about the one-of-a-kind collagen? Because this collagen not only replenishes your body, but helps your body create its own collagen using natural products and maintains it. To find out more about this amazing product, contact Stephanie Kronelka and LifeVantage. For more information, check out stephk.lifevantage.com or text 701-230-9306 or email skbesthealth at gmail.com and biohack your life with LifeVantage. You can even click on the link if you go out to gfbestsource.com and they'll take you directly there. So if you're a little computer limited like some of us older folks, that's really easy to do it. So get out there and go for it. And I just, I just, I taught for 20 years and I'd look at my kids and I'd explain to them the paper bag to the plastic to the, Mm -hmm. and they'd look at me and they'd go, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I would go, bingo. Mm-hmm. And we are continuing to not make any sense. And by the time your grandchildren hopefully make it to, to my age, they're going to look back and realize just how stupid we were. Yeah, you are so much older than me. Oh, well, but, you know, today, you know. Today's, today's plastic bag fiasco yes. is the solar panels. Yes. Let's take that example. I think I may have talked about this last time we visited. We're replacing relatively, relatively reflective desert with solar panels that are black. And yes, they absorb heat. And so we're putting tens of thousands of acres of relatively reflective soil, which is the desert, which gets hot on its own. And it's supposed to do that. And it's supposed to do that with a material that instead of reflecting is absorbing and and generating even more heat. Heat. And And it's killing birds. And it's killing birds. Uh, of course, we don't the wind the wind turbines. That's a whole other story in themselves. They've kind of fallen out of favor with the green movement a little bit because of the bird strikes, but they're still going up. If you've traveled around this great country as we have over the years, you go to the, the through the Sisseton Hills and the wind farm in Langdon. northeastern South Dakota. Langdon is another grand example on the on the higher train. The wind farms are phenomenal how they have grown. The one along Lake Astribula on the east side of Lake Astribula, it's a north-south wind farm. It's incredible. These wind farms have gone up. So, yes, so we're killing birds. We're disturbing the atmosphere. Yes, it's in the boundary layer, but there's so much about boundary layer meteorology. When you start perturbating, as the blades do, there's, a, there's been research where people have said, wait a minute, we're maybe changing the way that storms develop. We're Bless maybe you. The I have flow. said that, and people say I'm an idiot. That's not no. the case. That no. I'm going, these Things are doing something to our upper level atmosphere. Yeah. Oh, God bless you. Thank no, you. That I'm is, well, that, that's I'm not the, an idiot. That's, no, that is the root of chaos. The root of chaos is that everything within the atmosphere starts with the free path of an electron. At that very smallest of scales, it bubbles up. Of course, it bubbles back down. There's an interaction that occurs. But chaos, and, and by 
changing the way that wind flows over larger and larger scales, you're changing storm patterns. I'm sure it'll be another decade before there's enough research where people will actually definitively be able to say how. But we know that anytime you change an input to an environment, the output is has to change. It's a continuum. For every e- action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Right. Well, Paul just had to be another thing, paper straws and, pa- and plastic oh, wrap. Sure. And I mean, all of this <laughs> insanity. And, and we're just supposed to sit here and go, yep, by golly, they're right. That's the way it is. And uh, he also mentions the, uh, you know, the ozone layer and all this other stuff. But, but that's forgotten. Right. It's 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 so blatantly wrong and it's gone. And we've got a new blatantly wrong thing to replace it. And God bless these youngsters. Mm-hmm. But they don't have the common sense that most people were hopefully supposed to be born with anymore or they don't have anybody talking to well, them. It hasn't been 10. developed. It hasn't been developed. That's the thing. It's not that the children being born are any less capable of learning. They're simply not being taught some of the very fundamentals. Well, I have to agree that they're not being taught how to think. They're being taught how to follow orders, and they're being taught to accept what, what they're to being think. told. Yes, what to think. And there's a, there's a magnitude, well, it's actually, pardon the phrase, bipolar opposites between being taught what to think and being taught how, how to, to think. think. And critical thinking is something we have lost a lot of. People just accept, as you say, okay, you give me a paper straw that's wrapped in plastic, I'm doing better. Saving the environment. I'm saving the environment. No, I've changed one form of plastic for another. It's just, it's insanity beyond insanity. Well, Wilmer, Minnesota has got a a wind farm, and it's 13 years old, and they're already having to decommission it. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to last 20 years. A nuclear plant can last 80 Mm -hmm. if it's maintained. Now, once they decommission these, these blades and everything else, they don't decompose either. They're like the plastic bags. They're being buried out by Bismarck. Now, people are saying, oh, they're recycling them. No, they're not. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. They've got great plants, but right now they're burying them. They're burying them, just like they're doing everything else. But you're being told, oh, no, 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 they're being recycled. BS. BS. You're being lied to again, and you're saying, thank you, sir, can I have another? Mm -hmm. And and just because it's. God bless Rush Limbaugh. I wish he was still alive because he had this wonderful phrase symbolism over substance. Right, and that's where we're at. We're driving our entire society. We're doing the right thing. No, we're not. We're symbolically changing something very small that's actually taking us in the wrong direction. We have, we have people that need electricity for their heat in the winter. In fact, Switzerland just told everybody they cannot charge their EVs, their cars, mm-hmm. because it's, the electricity is too short and people need it for heat. But there's people out there that are going, I have an electric car. I'm saving the environment. Yeah, but you're killing the little old lady down the block who's on a fixed income who can't afford her electric heat. So good for you. Mm -hmm. Nuclear power is suddenly becoming slowly, very surreptitiously under the radar, becoming in vogue again because people are starting to realize, aside from the handful of nuclear accidents that have occurred, and there have been minor, even Fukushima, which has received so much press, was, in the grand scheme of things, a minor as far as any release goes. Three Mile Island, there was no release. Uh, uh, Several different events where the releases were either negligible or zero. And over the history of the decades and and the collective amount of years that nuclear plants have run, they are far safer than oil. I mean, and not to ding the industry, but far, far safer. Rolls-Royce has developed essentially a neighborhood nuclear reactor, a small-scale reactor that can power neighborhoods. 
So it's being done quietly in the background. Nuclear is starting to come back in vogue. And Germany went back to it. In fact, yes. they're 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 piling, they're turning their all all of the things back on because yep, they they've got the coal back on. They, yeah, they got nothing. They yeah. got nothing. people are going into the black forest and are going back to the uh, rubbing two sticks together mode. Well, the worst thing too, and that that's what it's. I'm glad you said that because what it's driving people to do is it's driving to people to burn wood. Yep. and that is absolutely the number one way to get carbon back into the atmosphere. If carbon really was a bad, it thing. was a bad thing. But okay, okay, let's talk about environmentalism for a moment. Okay, we build a hydroelectric. Dam. We flood millions of acres. When we flood millions of acres to have a dam, we destroy a lot of trees in the process. The biomass that rots underground under the water level, excuse me, releases carbon back yes, into the does. atmosphere. So these, these hydroelectric dams are some of the biggest polluters on the planet. They're not producing the equivalent amount of electricity that a nuclear plant would generate cleanly. Again, you know, the fuel, we can argue about the fuel because it is a challenge, but we've, got pretty, we've, we've gotten pretty good at what to do with the spent fuel. And I can see at some point launching it towards the sun or something like that. But we're really good with nuclear energy, and it is coming back slowly in vogue because people are starting to wake up and say, wait a minute, this ain't working. Well, and the thing with the dam, too, is is look at a lot of time it takes prime agriculture land yes. out of play. And we're already having problems with food. Yes, so, duh, people. Well, we've got one more here, and, and it's perfect because, folks, Alberta Clipper snow removal is looking for folks. And uh, if Mark's forecast is anywhere near correct, you're going to need one. It's not going to be a good. It's not going to be a good few days to not have had these people hired. So, are you looking to make some good extra money this winter? Christmas isn't that far away. So, contact Alberta Clipper snow removal. Alberta Clipper is looking for equipment operators for snow removal this winter, and you can operate in the nice warm cab and almost all of their work is commercial in big parking lots and it's all in Grand Forks. Make good money moving snow without using a shovel. Pay will depend on experience so call to find out how you can make easy extra money this winter. Alberta Clipper Snow Removal 701-739-1380. That's 701-739-1380. And with the snow that's coming, please call now. Because <laughs> those folks are going to be out there looking for somebody to go, clean my parking lot, please. Well, we've got a few minutes here, uh, a couple minutes before we're ready to go. So I'd sure. like to ask you, what uh, you bring notes and stuff, and sometimes we don't get to them. What is the big thing that you'd like to leave us people with today that are cleverly wearing our tin hat at a jaunty angle saying, folks, it's okay, we're not, we're not going to die tomorrow. We still at least have time to go ahead and change bureaucratically in the right direction. And I think that the past midterm election was a warning sign to the Republicans that they were maybe focusing on the wrong thing. Uh, people who have maybe listened to me any length of time know that I'm not a fan of either political party because yeah, I think that they've they've kind of gotten into bed with one another and too deeply, as a matter of fact. But we still have a voice in this country, and we need to get better at voicing our opinion. And it is happening. We can look to Europe, and we can start to see how Europe has started to say, hold on, wait a minute, this isn't working out. People don't like freezing to death. They don't like going without electricity. They're starting to realize, and, and the governments are going, hmm. So we still have the ability as a nation to peacefully, as necessary, to protest and to get things going. And we're seeing protests in other parts of the world. Look to that little country in South America. Brazil. What's the name? Yes, because look at what has happened with Brazil. Does the United States want to be the next Brazil? Can happen here. I would argue that if we don't take a hold of the situation, 
in the proper way, through our, the way that our system is designed, we could be the next Brazil. It isn't pretty, folks. Uh, seriously, don't trust me. Don't trust Mark. Yep, don't believe take, me. Listen to what we say, but, uh, but do your research. Go, go take a look at some of the stuff we told you about today. And please, do yourself a favor. Check out Agenda 21 and Agenda 30 out of the U.N. Because the plan right now is for the U.N. to run us all. And they are going to use climate change as the cudgel with which to beat those of us who are still screaming out, out, down. And for those of you who are accepting the religion of climate change and are going to vote it in, God bless you for you know not what you do. Word of the day, crudgel. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get for being an English major. Every <laughs> once in a while you sound so damn intelligent. All right, everybody, we're going to go battle some snow out there. Mark, you be safe. I'm going to go yep. grab my little snow shovel. And, As always. You know, I, I hope to God you're wrong because it says 15 <laughs> inches in my neighborhood of snow. And I, I've got to tell you, if it is, I know you're, you're, not, you're just in marketing. I'm you're in not, advertising, not yep, production. I know that, but, but darling, I've got to tell you, if this is even close to right, I'm going to yeah. be on your doorstep with a, with a second shovel saying, honey bunny, come I'll on bring my in. Snow blower. My, my, my driveway's ready for you. Everybody. <laughs> Common Sense Uncensored, another one out of here.